We there yet? We there yet? The podcast with Rich Kiamko. Ah, that's me. Hi, welcome back to WTY We There Yet Podcast. I'm Rich Kamko, and we're here live in New York City with Cyrus McQueen. Yeah, yes we are. We're moving on up, too. We are moving up. We have a view. We have oh a my view. Goodness. You can see the Empire State. You can see all the gentrification of this land. Yep, yep. <laughs> little pockets, we're little gonna, pockets. We're going to keep it brown in this room, though. We're gonna <laughs> oh, yes, it, we're absolutely. Keep it dark and lovely. <laughs> so, now, I'm very excited to have Cyrus McQueen, great comedian, and uh, was just on last comic standing this past season yes. and i just was so excited to see you and uh to get a chance to have you in mm. i'd love to i'm trying to think what what was your start like where did you come from how did you decide to get into comedy did you come from a family that was like go for it they're like no no i uh you know, what, well, how did this happen well interesting just in terms of you know comedy dynamics everybody knows so many comedians come out of boston like i'm actually from boston i was born and raised but wow. i didn't start comedy until i moved here ah. so i sort of went backwards you know right right uh, with right. my approach um, but no I, I was born and raised in boston and i moved to new york in 2002 so i've been here i can believe i've been here for Wow, 14, 14 years. years yeah 14 years my goodness and then what did you do in boston before you came here I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> so you came here right out of, out of high school? Or? No, I came here right out of college, essentially. No, I born and raised in the inner city of Boston, uh, went to college in Boston, went to Northeastern, graduated Northeastern oh, okay. in 2001, okay. started acting uh, in Boston, and then decided to move to New York to pursue acting. And that's when I started, I came here and I started drama school, essentially, uh, within about the first year I was here at Stella Adler. I Went to their conservatory for two years, and then I just I tried improv, and uh, for whatever reason that didn't take, and uh, <laughs> instead it was the next logical um, uh, alternative to you know perform, and so I, I I got on stage and like you know once you hit the crack pipe you never look back. Right, you can't stop. Yeah, you, improv you is a weak joint. Right, with right. tobacco in it, like nothing is like the crack pipe that right, is. Right, right. Well, improv is sort of. I feel like improv is a very I don't, I don't want to say it's community theater stand-up, but it's just kind of, there's something about it that, that can be, you can be mediocre yes. and still have a crowd. Yes, and, yes. And th well, I mean, there's still, I mean, whatever, there's excellence in that. But when you do stand-up, it's like it's you, and it's really clear if it's oh, yeah. bombing. You oh, instantly yeah. know. You get an immediate reaction if your art is being received well or not. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's one thing I could say about, about comedy that differs from any other art form is that, with comedy, you get immediate reaction whether or not your art is being received well or not. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, music is subjective. You could like the shit. I could be over here like, you know, can we, you know, turn right. the channel or something? Right. People or even be, movies. Yeah, or people could be eating while you're playing music, and it's just like, oh, it's it's okay. Right. Where people aren't eating and ignoring you while you do comedy. You're like, you, exactly. It has to be like every couple seconds, there's got to be a pop. It's the only art form that demands an audience's attention, you know right. what I mean? And your ability to captivate that audience's right. attention. It's, it's kind of like tennis. You're hitting the ball out, and it better come back. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's no fucking game. There's no fucking game. You know it. You know it. Now, growing up in Boston, what, what, like, was there something that inspired you then, or you well, always had, who were your idols? Like, what, what? Well, well, when it comes to comedy, honestly, goodness, my father, you know, if I I could say I have a comedy, you know, idol, it's my father. Then you know, right below him would be like Richard Pryor. I'm very similar men, very similar backgrounds, very similar senses of humor. 
Um, but my father was by and large the funniest man I've ever known. And I just think it's a gene because apparently his father, who was I'm named after Cyrus McQueen, his father was apparently like a, a, a incredibly funny guy. Um, so I think there's something in the DNA in that regard. Right. Um, right. But mm, I didn't pursue comedy for the longest time. Like I, I probably was, you know, elbowed a few times about trying it years and years before I actually did. My mother actually was one of my biggest champions in um, one of my early sort of, you know, hey, why don't you, why don't you, you know, you're making me laugh. Why don't you, you should, that's like a routine. Why don't you go and, and do that on stage? Wow, you know? your my mother, mom. My mother for years, because I would like, you know, I guess my my first comedy club she's was like the a stand-up comedy soccer mom. Like, come on, I, I guess there. Yeah, she it. knows funny. She's, you know, surrounded by all these funny men for whatever reason. And, you know, I've often said sidebar that, you know, if life dealt my father a different uh, different hand, he probably would have been an amazing legendary stand-up. Um, so my mother, it was her admonishment and constantly, you know, I don't know why you don't just try stand up. You're so funny. You've always, you know, I've got suspended from school for being the class clown. I got kicked off the bus uh, for being a class clown. <laughs> like I literally like I've always I guess I've been prepping myself for this career all along. Right. Um, right. Even in drama school, my friend brought it to my attention, you know, uh, a while back. He says, yeah, you remember you were always like cracking jokes in Shakespeare and stuff and in movement. It's like, yeah, it makes it, it makes sense that you would have gone into stand up. So. Right. I guess I finally listened to all the voices. So then, like, 2002, you came to New York, mm -hmm. and how did you, what was your first, what was your first hit? Like, did you open mic? Was there a No, well, I didn't do, I didn't start stand-up until even later, because you remember when I first moved to New York, I was all focused on being uh, a thespian and being right, right, motherfucking, right, right. Right, you know, right. the next, or the, a chocolate Marlon Brando, if you will. Um, <laughs> right. So that was my focus, was to, was because I was coming off a of theater in Boston, um, so I was in drama school and I was embroiled, I was, you know, immersed in Chekhov and Ibsen and Shakespeare and movement and ballet and voice and all of this for two years. And, you know, then the cold, desolate, difficult New York auditioning world <laughs> fell upon me. I wouldn't say I fell upon the world, the world fell upon me. And it was like, OK, um, I got to do something to, to, to be proactive here. Right. right. Um, and I remember I was great. I read that book. The artist way, of I'm course. Sure you're familiar with oh my way. god! How many times I think have I everybody done that? who's done anything has reached a crisis point, like me. And <laughs> for whatever reason, that was like the last salvation. Like, let me just dig into this. I'll start writing diary entries. I don't care. I'll just do it. I'll do whatever I need to to get out of this rut. And so I was doing improv, and that really wasn't speaking to me. Like I was doing well in improv. I was actually getting a lot of you know good attention from professors and teachers there and i you know got recommended for scholarships there but that's a whole nother discussion about the homogenous and and you know the cult yeah the the cultish and you know unflattering world of improv at least from a, a black performance perspective right um right, but right. well you, you i was you just yeah, pass, I was, I you could pass for white you have to be white right <laughs> just be white enough for our group i was just being i was really in a fitful place and you know for whatever reason i think that book i will give it credit i think it it it, it melted some of the ice Right. That was inside of me. And for whatever reason, then I started hearing, you know, the encouragement of trying stand up a little right. bit. You can hear it better. when you're open. Then you start yeah. hearing the message. You're receiving messages. Yeah. But you don't necessarily hear them. They're just kind of like on the back of the screen and you're too busy looking at this. other right. thing. Some of them seep in. Some of them don't. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it came at a really fitful time. Like I was kind of fed up with improv. I felt like I wasn't really advancing there. Um, I was auditioning for stuff and. You know, the thing about auditioning and acting, as you know, it's like it's like you have to wait around 
and that's one thing that I never, I still can't stomach about acting. It's like I have to basically wait for yeah, you to call waiting. me. Right, right. Um, and thank God I discovered stand up when I did because it, you know, I don't want to sound hokey and shit, but I, I, I really do feel like it saved my life in many ways. Yeah, I really, yeah. really do. Like, and 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 I think that it was a calling. It certainly is my calling, and it's something that I, you know, ignored for a long time. But once I started doing it, it was, it was like. It was like air to me, you know right. what I mean? And it felt like every day I could actually progress and I can monitor my progress and stand up affords you that way, that in which no other art form I feel really can. Um, you can try to schedule as many improv gyms and practices as possible. You can try to like meet up with a scene partner to go over this scene. But it's like with this, it's like I am the captain of my fucking. Right, right. I mean, it's full. You get. It's basically you're, you're all in with comedy. You're all in. Every time you get up, you got to put all the chips on it, mm -hmm. and then you either get the returns or you don't, or you get some or you mm -hmm. don't. But you know, I mean, I, I, and I give credit to actors that like, hey, let's do some scenes with you. Let's let's do some web series or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, there's all that for us as comics too. But there's nothing like a live audience, and immediately, right? You you go, okay, I'm gonna put this. Little, this is be a trap door. They're all gonna walk in. If I pull it, when uh -huh. I pull the cord, do they all fall in? I'm like, yes, yes, it works. Yes, there's nothing better than st when stand up is working when it's hitting. You know, I've seen, I've witnessed great improv that seemed in a way magical, um, but that almost even only hit, but so high. But stand up, if you can see my hand, I know we're on a podcast, but like stand up when stand up is like on all cylinders firing, you can't beat that. Right. You can't right. beat that. Right, and that, that's when you can combine your set mm -hmm. with improv. I mean, that's where it that's just, where the improv that, that's comes where in. That's where the whole hybrid happens that you yes. can't do an improv. Absolutely. I mean, or whatever. I just there's just but something the thing is, it's like it. you know, I know that I'm gonna make these motherfuckers laugh. I know that in my bag of tricks, I I'm guaranteed to make these motherfuckers laugh. And then on top of that, I'm gonna sprinkle in some some shit from the moment. And, right, right. And then right. it's gonna become like this awesome fucking potpourri a gumbo right, 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 of, right, of right. awesome comedy-ness right right and and the audience is going to be better served in my opinion i feel like as artists you also have to serve the people right and that way you can't just sort of take them for granted or take the time on stage for granted i don't like that idiosyncratic right. oh let me just find my way into into the humor it's like i already the humor is fucking dialed up in here 24 7 it's like right, i know right. i'm gonna spit something out and make these motherfuckers laugh because right. they need to laugh and go for it and grab them sometimes some people are very i mean there's different styles and i know your style is very like in your face and mm. active some people are very i'm just gonna hang out and cerebral cere yeah, yeah right right i'm like mm. you know but that's you know, i've also finally i you know i also have venues on the road and it's like when you're out in the rural area you can't you can't have them come to you. I mean, you want them to come to you, right? But you have to scoop a little. You got to poke. Oh yeah, you, you can't just go. Okay, I'm going to do my set. Absolutely, go, uh, own it. But uh, you got to you got to tase them a little. Yes, that's one of the first things I've learned. The first big lesson I think I learned in comedy. I think we all learned it. It's one of the first big lessons is that you know a lot of the times you're going to have to work for it. Right. You know what I mean? It's Earn not it. like yeah, we have these. We've all had those amazing forgiving audiences if you will that are just you know in the palm of our hands if you will but you know i would honestly say based on how as many shows as you do the averages of that are like i'd say one in every four maybe two in every four shows right. that you do where right. they're just like they're there for you they're, right, they're right, there right. to be entertained other times it's like you're gonna have to fucking start digging right right and it's also like getting those magic magic ones where they're there for you and then this other thing kicks in it's like to get a, you know, you have to be in the zone. The audience has to be receptive. Mm -hmm. You can't have someone, yeah, I don't know, you can't have 
a frappuccino and a popcorn machine going. There's exactly. all sorts of weird shit. Or exactly. someone's phone goes off and they're and they're taking the yes. call. Because we've all had those amazing bar shows, amazing bar shows where it's like, okay, everybody's eating out the palm of your hand, and then you hear the jukebox go on, and it's like, right, okay, right. it kind of broke the moment a little bit. Right. It's still an awesome. Okay, but. now the game's on. Fuck. <laughs> exactly, dude. I can't tell you how many Yankees games and fucking Giants games. That's why I got to a point where like I was scheduling uh, at certain clubs like in Long Island. I was like, I'm not coming in. I, I got the NFL schedule. I was like, okay, if the Jets <laughs> are playing. On, I'm not fucking. It's not worth it. It's right. honestly not worth it. Right, right, so, right, right. Uh, Someone asked me to do the, to to do a you know prime time spot on during the Super Bowl. I was like. Uh, who's going to be there? I mean, it could be great, but I also right. was like, I want to watch the game. Right. Like, Even non-sports fans watch the Super Bowl. Right. That's like right, an American right. holiday. Right. You it's know? like yeah. you also want to be in touch with, like this is one of the two things that people watch live. It's right. like the Super Bowl and like the, the Oscars. Oscars or something. That's exactly. it. Those are the two only things that are left that we right. ever watch live. Nothing, Absolutely. Nothing else exists on TV. It's just all DVR <laughs> or streamed or, or Netflix or something. Right, yeah. right, right. So now what... Uh, so your first, what was your first mic like? Your first, my first mic. I still remember. It. I actually, I, I keep a record of like all the mics and all the shows I've ever done. So like, there is there is an actual record of, of everyone. But the first one was at Hector Louise's mic at New York Comedy Club, right up the street, oh uh, in two thousand nine. This is the fall, winter of two thousand nine, and I remember I'd rehearsed my five, uh, my five minutes like for weeks. I was working it out when I was on the treadmill. Like I was doing my jokes at the gym. I was I was doing these jokes. I was like, for whatever reason, I was like, this has to go seamlessly the way that I decided. I can't, you know, not get laughs. And I went up and did it, and I got a great reaction. And I never looked back. I often wonder what it would be like, you know. And I'm sure a lot of comics have to contend with this. What the first time you're on stage, you just bomb, right? You know, because that know could how, be that could be how. just so just just right. terrifying right. and like difficult to regroup from right you know because right. even now as you know been doing it all these years and doing great most of the time it's like when you still have those off shows just like it's so destructive to you it's right, just like oh right. um so i couldn't imagine if the first time you you got on stage yeah. you why just, would like, you go oh, back you know the what i mean first time, and i'm sure yeah. a lot i think i've talked to a few comics that that was their first experience maybe like they did it in college at like a, a random you know open mic or something like that and they did terribly and then they didn't go back for like you know 10 years or something right. well it's weird I, I was interviewing kevin meany and he's like you know been in this forever and he said the first time he did it like people got angry mm -hmm. and were mad at him, and mm -hmm. he's like, "I love it." <laughs> I don't know how you. That's can, Kevin Meany. That's Kevin Meany. I, I was like, I, you know, I was lucky. I, you know, I had a, there's like a dorm. This is in college at FIT. There's a dorm talent show, and you're in this. You're in the laundry room with a million people on the floor, and it's all tight. And I'm just doing shit that's all inside jokes that nice. everyone knows. And I'm like, oh, it was so I was so high. You know, and but it wasn't until I left this bubble. I was doing some open mics and some guy, and then uh. some guy, you know, booked like a Dice Clay knockoff, uh, Eddie Murphy knockoff, and then I was like the closer, you uh. know, flower drum thong. And not that I'm like flamboyant, uh. but you know, the guys are up there talking about, you know, vagina jokes. They're saying all these <laughs> words I've never heard. Right. Yeah, you know, I grew up in a small town, so I'd never heard this many words for vagina. Uh. And the audience is like, yeah, whoo. Ooh, and then I get up there. And, and now Rich Kiamko. And, and I'm like, hey, guys. But all they hear is like rainbows, Rainbow. unicorn. And they yeah. like a guy grabbed the chair and was like, get the fuck off the stage, faggot. And they're all like, whoa. Wow. And they're like trying to kill me. And I'm like. Thank God that wasn't your first time. That was not Holy my first shit. time. Holy shit. Okay, good, okay. good, good. But I, sh I mean, I basically shut it down. I took the money from the booker, ran down the fire escape. And I didn't do it for like 20 years. Wow. I, fuck I mean, I was hiding. Backstage, you know, I was like a costume designer for Judy Tenuta, and I was her love slave. Right. But, Judy being, oh, but being someone's backup dancer, right. 
is not you, you know, and she had, you know. In the spotlight. Right, right, right. I, you know, it, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just turning the letters. I'm Vanna White right, right, right. in hot pants and a headdress and mm-hmm. whatever, and it's fun. But I didn't have to, you know, and no one cared. At Do you ever have any regrets that you wish that you'd started earlier oh my god yeah. i look at the amount of time you got a clock right it's like a bodybuilder you can't do one rep and then you're ripped right you you, you gotta build it's it years of building it yeah and i think like ah, uh, and i'm like there's it's like that artist way it's like just forgive myself yes love myself because it doesn't matter you know i've interviewed people that have been in the business 20 years and they want to kill themselves right and i'm like if i could just enjoy the process right if i can just be happy with whatever this is mm. and go crush it and whatever level it is yeah so I don't, you know, because I could, I could sit here and go through everything. I mean, there's everyone else in my family right. has made it mm-hmm. in medical or whatever. You know, yeah. there's all those other relatives. Oh yeah, absolutely. That my did sister, what they were my sister's doing do. very good. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I look at these yeah. people, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. You could just retire now. Right. I am just like, i I've made some good, cho- a few good financial choices. I finally paid off all my credit cards. Yes, I remember we I, had a, a, right, right, a, a commitment over that. Right, yeah, because right. I, I mean, we both came out of debt right. around the same time, which right, is great. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's a different world. It's also comedy is not. It's not like, you know, you're not making it rain most of the time. Absolutely. Even when you get these big things, you're not, I mean, I, and yep. some people I've had on, I'm like, oh my God, you're still Still hustling. grinding. Absolutely. You're still hustling. Still I'm grinding. Like, no. Yeah. So I guess the only time it really comes into, into play is when you think about, oh, could I be this more advanced in my career on the career end? Right. Nobody really thinks about it on the creative end because the time is the time, no matter what, on the creative end. Like you need to put in, like you said, the time to get to a certain place. But some people, and even then, even then, it's not guaranteed. You right. can be amazing, and you're still not. Right. You know, for us as comedians, it's, it's, it hurts when you see people that you, you know, not that you look down on people, but people that you know you pretty much recognize have less talent in certain areas. Right. And they right. and they are still cr- and they shoot off before you or people who've been doing it a lot less than you have. Right, right. For right. a lot, you know, shorter period of time. And then they take off. Like, that's where you're sort of like, well, fuck, if I, if I was doing this, you know, when I was 20, <laughs> then I'd already be, then I'd already be, you know what I mean? I have had this conversation. I'm still alive today. And right. I've had that conversation. Because it's like, here's a window, 20th right. floor. I could jump now. Right. You know? I've or the way you see, like, honestly, we, the way you see the industries, their fascination with young right. comics or just youth in general. That's the media. That's music. That's comedy. That's everything. Right, right, um, right, right. And so you like you ask yourself you're like well I consider my talent to be of a certain level like if I had you know utilized that talent at a younger age then maybe you know what I mean it's like I don't know I was doing too much cocaine in my twenties oh God. I was if I was doing comedy instead of cocaine in my twenties right, I would have right. been well you know it's all just it's all part of our package that's just the journey I mean there was nothing yeah. else and then also like again and this is the boon to us what the fuck would you have talked about like right where, 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 right, honestly right, right. what would twenty year old Cyrus or Rich's comedy have been versus you know where we are right. now. I mean, I had a one man show and it was all like hot pants, <laughs> you know, whatever. How many ways can you say anal without saying anal? I mean, I had a whole one man show with music and <laughs> and nunchucks that glowed in the dark and a chopper. I mean, it was really well. Crazy so you see, shit. but you're a, you're a natural performer and you you know you're a seasoned performer. I've done it in so many varying ways. It's like, and I guess with stand up, you know, I guess me coming from an acting background, um, it, it does help. It does help in ways that, you know, some some comics, you know, they'll just stand up there and tell their joke, you know. Right. But I feel like performers, people who are actually done performing in other ways, they they bring a little something else to right. it when they're right. on stage, a little bit more excitement. Right. And it's it's always been a challenge. I guess my journey has been like, how do I keep it in in the stage and not 
you know, I'm, it used to be like headdresses and a rollerblades flying across stage, <laughs> swinging in a harness, you know, in Vegas, where you're just yeah. like this thing in the in this giant thing. And now it's like, well, no, you. Need oh yeah, to you be. definitely toned it down then. Yeah, yeah. Well, now look at me. Come on, I'm a, I'm homophobic to myself. I'm like wearing jeans and like t-shirts, and you know, I've had people tell me like, Rich, can no neons, keep it. Just like you want people to hear your. Well, jokes. seeing how well how much you could break out, the fact that you contain your shit is like, goddamn. Right. All right, right. That, that takes a lot of skill. I don't. I still wonder, like, at some point, am I going to become that bedazzled gay comedian? I don't. That's not me. You know what I mean? Like, I had a period where that was like, okay, how, you know, how bejeweled can you be? Right, right, Because right. that's the nineties. There's no such thing as too bejeweled. Right, right, right. <laughs> but now it's like I don't know. I'm. I, I, who I am is like that's not me twenty four seven. You know what I would see for you? I could just see you with a bejeweled microphone. Like you just bring your own mic. <laughs> you bring your own mic wherever you go up your show, and you unplug this shit. You plug your shit in, and it's just bedazzled to the fuck, like Michael Jackson's glove. Right, 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 right. See, that's a tasteful embellishment. Right, 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 right. But, right, you know, right. Keep it with who you it's are. It's like a brooch. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bling, never hurt. So now I'd love to hear the whole last comic standing journey, like. How did you get the audition? Mm. What was that process like? Did you were you sequestered and you couldn't talk about it? You could post that you were you had made it, mm. but you couldn't talk about whatever happened. Well, you we already essentially had filmed and done everything by the time we were actually allowed to post about it. So this was actually you know you say like a three month remove from the actual event itself. Right, right, right. So um, how did the, like so the audition? How did you get the audition? When I got the audition because I was working, as you know, uh, I guess America doesn't know. I was working at Gotham. I was working at a comedy club for. Over 10 years. You were there for 10 years? Yeah, because I was started working, working there door? when I was going to drama school, and then I would audition during the day and just work at night. And so it just you worked perfectly were, for me. So did you know strategically why you worked at Gotham? You already loved comedy? Or you were like, oh, I guess I'll just take this job? I just took this job. Oh, come and on. Honestly, I so, swear to God. So it was like... Those, I just took your, this your, job. Because your it was right near Stella Adler, right, where I was right, going right. to school. It was, it was like three blocks. But like your your soul like dragged your body in there to take it. You, you know, know my what grandmother, I mean? My grandmother has a great saying about that. You picture an older black woman, 81 years old. Sassy as the day is long in St. Louis. It's my grandmother. She goes, baby, sometimes God puts you where you're supposed to be. Right, right, right. So I, I, I can't, I, you know, throw it up to the cosmos on that one. Right, I ended right. up where I, I guess I was supposed to be. But I was working there out of convenience. I was working there because I was going to school right down the street, and I would go to classes during the day and whatever, and then work there at night, audition yeah. and shit during the day, and work there at night. And so it worked well for me. It was only when I started, you know, Pursuing comedy and having to, you know, utilize my nights that it became an issue. But right, right. Um, but yeah, I was working there and I heard about the auditions. <laughs> I saw them on the uh, calendar and I just sort of like went down. I was like, I've been working there for ten years at this point. I was like, excuse me, would it, would it, would it be okay if you, if you <gasps> put me on the on the on the audition? <gasps> so I essentially, you know, sort of like just, you know, asked very, very politely and persistently, and I was able to get one of the 40 slots <laughs> on oh that audition. That was a monster night, because it was like a almost a three-hour show. There was 40 comics doing three minutes each. Right. Um, and that wasn't the only one. There was like, there were two. There were two 40 comic shows at Gotham, and then there was like several across the city. I think they had one at The Stand, and they had one you know, at The Creek or whatever. Um, so I was one of maybe 300 comics doing three wow. minutes. and. Wow. I'll never forget the set because it was one of the best sets I think I've ever had because the audience was just charged and I was surfing the entire time. It was just amazing. It was an amazing confluence of events. I guess that's planets and everything aligning at that moment. Um, wow. And then, you know, I didn't hear anything. 
And so I remember actually, you know, getting in my head. I was like, that's fucked up, man. I had the best set of the night. I know it. I know because I was sitting through everyone's audition and I brought the house down and I didn't get a fucking call back. And then like the next day, I like I see a block, a, a, a known number and it's like, hi, Cyrus. This is from such a simple kid last car. Like, we loved you and we want to know if you. Uh. And I was like, ah, I take back everything I said, Lord. <laughs> so did you, what happened? Did your body, did you just like your body go on fire? It was one of like, I've only had the moment. A few times in my life when I got into drama school, which is also a very rigorous and, you know, difficult thing to do because you have thousands of aspiring kids trying to come into Stella Adler, one of the most right. prestigious right, right. schools programs. So when I got accepted into Stella Adler, that was one of the first time I felt that feeling. And then when I got Obvious Child, which is the movie I did, when I got the, the call about that, it's the second time I had that feeling. And then the last comic was the third time I've had that feeling. Wow. So like a surge like, yes, things went the way I fucking wanted them to go. Wow. Um, hope wow. to have that feeling more in life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even those moments, I mean, because it's like there's you're you're cranking, you're doing the grind, you're just hitting mics. Yep. You know, we've been a lot of we've, them. Been, yeah, we've those, been in the trenches, man. We've been in the trenches at three been, o'clock we, on yeah. that afternoon. Yeah, when it's, it's be, raining, it's rain, raining, sleet or snow. Comics are fighting in you the coming middle. Coming in in shorts sometimes. Right. It's when it's hot in the middle of the summer. <laughs> right. I, I, we've seen every. You got the big, what is the big puffer jacket or the shorts? You know, we, right, we've right. all right. And we, there's and there's a fight happening and people are oh, fighting. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck are you fighting totally. about? We none of us have made it. Exactly. We're paying to be here right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. It's just like cut the. Just work on your fucking shit. We totally, totally. And I guess you don't even think about it, the payoff so much in those moments because you're just so addicted to the stage. And, you know, I don't think we would do it if it was an addiction. Right, Honestly, right, right. it's like we all want to get something there's out no, of it. But there's a hit. You want a hit. There's a purpose to it. There's, there's a purpose to this thing. Right. Um, and that's what drives us. Um, but, you know, in that moment, I, I'll never forget, you know, I've only had it three times. And I, I, I like I said, I want to have it a lot more. So, um, that, so, so then, then there say, was the callbacks after right, that. Right, so the callbacks, so then what? You go where? The callback was a motherfucker because it was just like four people in Gotham's main showroom. Dark, scattered about. I made out Wanda Sykes silhouette in the back. Um, and it was like, okay, do your set. And so you basically How have many to minutes? just do three and a half. Another three and, three and a half. half. Uh, um, so you just for, basically for, for like, for like a, four a people, black like, canyon yeah like two three NBC execs Wanda Sykes and fucking nothingness uh, so I did it and it was great you know I hit my marks you know I got you know a few laughs from the people and then you know they leave on stage I, I, I tried to get out of there as quick as I could and they're like no come back come back come back we want to talk to you about some stuff and they started asking me all sorts of questions about my, my relationship my life and everything and then like okay Cyrus thank you so much and I, I can remember seeing Wanda Sykes like doing this in the background her silhouette like, meaning like I was like okay she's liking what I'm saying she's liking she's, she's picking up she's picking up what I'm putting down um, God and then what was it maybe about two weeks passed and then it was right around Thanksgiving. And then I remember getting uh, the call saying, hey, the block number. And when I saw the block number, I was like, well, this has got to be good. And it was uh, the producer saying, uh, you got the show. Oh, shit. And then mountain of paperwork, disclosures, legal fucking agreements and everything later, you get out to Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. And so then you're there. And yeah. then uh, do you do so everyone does what? Two minutes, three minutes for, for the first for the first like the invitational for the invitation. No, it was. um I think it was also, I think it was three and a half minutes again. Yeah. It was yeah. three and a half minutes again. Yeah. It was like, that was their number, I guess, because you, you, you got all these, all these freaking comics that you got to like fill. Um, so yeah, it was three and a half minutes. And that was, you know what? Maybe I'll take it back. Maybe it was four times I felt that feeling because 
I've never had a show with the stakes those that high, like the audition show. Right, right. And then this show, because you're on the soundstage in Universal Studios, and it's right. like 500 plus people, which is the most I think I've ever done up to that point. And, you know, it's a charged audience. You walk out, you know, it's all this production stuff, wardrobe stuff, all this stuff beforehand. Um, you know, they got us hitting marks. Guys, make sure you look there. That's where you're going to be the prompter. That's when you know when your light and your time's up. And, you know, um, big production, like, Huge, just Universal Studios, you know. Right, right, right. Um, right. And, and so, so that you your got my and your wardrobe—they fit you. They just go here. You're wearing this. No, you have to bring. You bring. No, stuff. that was a whole. That's a whole other conversation. You talk about the, the the female comics. That was really like their their nightmare because, you know, they had they were driving some girls to the mall and shit to to get them better stuff. Um, but it was just it, the 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 wardrobe room was a nightmare. I'm gonna put it that way. It was it was somewhat organized chaos, but you got a lot of comics fitting in the outfits, and you know you had people and standards and practices approving. Okay, we, that's that's acceptable. That's unacceptable. So once you get your outfit and you're there, and you know you're all prepped and you're in hair and makeup and all that shit, um, you do your thing, and it's like you come out and it's like and you see Roseanne, you see Keenan, you see Norm Macdonald. Oh God. Um, and it's surreal, and it's just like, you know, I just, I, I had the presence of mind to sort of just breathe in that moment, and then just, I I hit the ground running, and they were picking up what I was putting down, and it was great, as I could see, as I'm hitting certain punchlines, I could see Roseanne, because she had just dyed her hair blonde, and I could just see at the corner of my eye, her just going, ah, 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 just dying and everything, and Keenan Ivory wins, his, his face never, like, his grin was just like ear to ear, and it was one, it was so gratifying, because when I finished, um, I got just such an amazing critique uh, that didn't get aired, unfortunately, which is like, ah, uh, because right. I got the most amazing critique from Keenan and Roseanne. And what they Norm. say? Keenan was like, I love you. I love everything about you. I've never seen anybody like you. You are amazing. He's like, and they're like, do you have any criticism? And he like literally was like waiting for, it seemed like a minute before he's like, uh, just keep, you know, make sure you hit your punches. But no, nah, you, 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 you got it. You know, and then Roseanne was like, I love you. You're amazing. And it was just so she's like, like, I like comedy needs you. You're amazing. All this other great stuff like you are phenomenal and all this stuff. And then Norm, who was the toughest judge. Um, and there's uh, more stories about him, like because he was slicing people up. There was people right, coming back right. to that green room crying, like, crying. Yeah, because you know? yeah, I see I, you watch it. You're like, oh, my God, this one woman who was a, a school teacher. I think she still teaches school. And, you know, she's moonlighting as a comedian and actually a, a sufficient good comedian. And she, you know, did her thing. And Norm, oh, my God, he said to her, he goes, hey, uh, you know uh, that saying about uh, uh, don't quit your J job, right? And he just looked at her and it was like she came back and she was, <gasps> I felt so bad. So one by one, like everyone was like, okay, fucking Norm is the judge you have to. Right. Sort of impressed. But so then when I finished up and they're like, Norm, do you like Norm and Anthony just think had a little back and forth comedy thing um, playing around with each other. And then, you know, goes, Norm, do you have anything to say about Cyrus? Anything? And I goes, oh, no, I think Cyrus is great. Cyrus is absolutely great. And then I got I made it to oh, the semifinals. So right, 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 right. But that was a surreal. Talk about being in a pressure cooker. I think now knowing what I know, going into a TV situation like that, it's like it's so out of your hands. And what you do is what you do. All you can hope is to be in the present and that the audience is picking up what you're putting down. And after that, you just, just go surfing. And, right. you know, not letting the, the the pressure of the producers and the whole production and the wardrobe and you got comics in the back pacing nervously. You got people on the phone 
to their agents and shit saying, this is fucked up. They got us here. You know, we got comments complaining because we were there taping. Like, we were back there for, like, a good five-plus hours. We have craft services and all this shit, but you're basically, this is the biggest show of your life, and your throat, your throat and your, um, your stomach is in your throat. That's what I meant to say. And right, right. it's just a nerve-wracking experience. Yeah, waiting five hours. And, <laughs> and I went and, and on. You, and you and do you hear other and people I went on and the invitations. I went on second to last. So there were, I think, 40 comics in the invitation round, and I went on second to last oh out of, like, God. 40 comics. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Was it 25 or was it 40? I forget. I was but second to last out of 40 over, invitations. They do it over a couple days, though, or is it all? No, like, that was just the that was So just the invitational my... was all, everyone went on one day. No, 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 no. It was, it was like, it was broken over. No, I'm sorry. It was one. It was twenty. So I went twenty fourth out of twenty fifth. Is what it was. I'm sorry. Let me correct that. I went twenty fourth yeah. out of twenty five comics in my round. So the invitationals were four right, rounds right. of twenty five comics each to top right. one hundred. Right, right. And right, so right. on my showcase, it was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They filmed a show each day, twenty five comics in each show. Right. I right. went twenty fourth out of twenty fifth on my invitational round. Oh God. Um, so yeah. And then when you get the semifinals. How did? Because the only comment I saw was like they said like one little clip, right? And that's again I also had fantastic critique on the semifinals. So I actually was under the impression that I was probably maybe be gonna make it to the top ten. But the only clip they had was like blah 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 blah. You're all over the place, and that was it. I'm like, wait, wait, that's it. Wait, yeah. Did they now? Did they do any other backstory? Did they go to your hometown with? No, we didn't mom? do anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder, did they do they shoot that whole family hometown stuff? After they've decided, you can't shoot all one. No, they that was they they filmed that. Uh, I guess they were they they were selective in whoever they chose to do a backstory on, but no, they did that okay. for um, a handful of people who ended up not even making the oh. semifinals. If you remember, there was a few people they yeah, did yeah, like yeah, yeah, packages yeah. and background stories on. They didn't even right, make the right. semifinals, like so the, it was really just that arbitrary. Asian girl in Harvard had a whole story. Yeah, it was completely arbitrary. So right, right, yeah. oh, okay. I guess it's also you want to pick like who's just if it's an interesting story. We hope you're funny, but it's an interesting backstory. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. And what did you do? Like, how did you like you were there for how many days? I was there for essentially two weeks. One one week the first time, and then the going back. And what I did they you flew do? me back, and then they flew me back out. So I flew back and forth like four times. Oh my God. Um, so I was just in the, I was literally like in Rocky training mode like i was you know what i mean i was like that's the way i that's the approach i took to the whole thing like i wasn't really i didn't really go around los angeles i was just out there i was like yeah, you're here to I work was, yeah i was there to work so i was work. like you know you know i'm not really plugged in out there so i was just like you know i was going over my set like i probably did it a thousand times i changed it up because again we had to pass standards and practices so we basically had to type up all of our, our jokes our entire set send them to them they have to okay it because it's network tv right and right, right. um make changes where where necessary so there are a few things i had to change and just making sure I got that down. Well, like you can't say the N word. Exactly. You, I, was, so. I was I was taking the it's a, I was I was taking the N word out of all my shit. Right. Right. You know, it was you know I was doing surgery in the hotel. Right. Right. <laughs> I was attracting the N word. It's that moment you're like, oh, sh yeah. I mean, I. So I was just there. I was there. You know, they had us doing shit all the time because we were filming other stuff. Like we were filming segments with Wanda. We were filming segments like you know where they they were interviewing us on the sound stage. So, oh, so we were filming stuff. So you you, you, the other you days. did a a one on one with Wanda. 
Oh my god! So how was that? That was fantastic. Because that's like that's like that you, was you get it's like a master class one on one. Uh huh. That was absolutely fantastic. How did how did like you, you walk so in? Is uh-huh. there a little intro? You just go okay. Hi, I'm gonna do my stuff. Give me no, feedback. no. First, is she's sitting down, uh, and you go sit down, and you guys just talking. You know, she starts saying, you know, you know, really love your stuff. Everybody really, really loves you, and you know, uh, you know what you're gonna be doing up here. It was actually considered like the coaching section. So the yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, you already have my set. That's right before the semis because mm-hmm. you you got to make it past the invitation. Then when you get to the semi, yeah. Then they like, then they have a sit down. I go, okay, what are you gonna do? And, and all that sort of stuff. How exactly. did you did you show her like I don't know ten things and she told you to do these five or what? Well, I remember it was I was I did I had my three main jokes basically that I was gonna fit into the three minutes for the um, semis, and I did them for her and. I did, you know, the opening, and then I did, you know, I I was I was conflicted over two jokes in the middle. It was going to be the one or the other, and it was great because you know there's people prepping for the show, so you had sound guys and people on ladders and everything, and I had people cracking up. And Wanda was like, well, "That is a really, really, greatly strong set. Like that's a very strong opening, very strong closer. You just got to work out which one you want to do in the middle." Um, and I was like, I was like, Trace, like, can you? Could you sort of lean me in one direction? Which one you think I should do in the middle? She's like, no, you got to make that decision. No. They, they, she's like, but you have very, very strong stuff. That's a strong set. And, you know, it's one of those things, you know, a comic of that level or caliber, like, you know, she's not busting out laughing, but just like her going. Yeah. Like yeah. that was like, okay, I know she's she's feeling my shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was just fantastic. How did she, you stay grounded through this? What were you doing? I mean. Not cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not cocaine. Well, it's so funny, and it's kind of fucked up, uh, but I should mention, right when I was flying back for semifinals, I found out that a, a friend of mine passed away. Um, so that also colored the experience a bit for me because, like, you know, no, there's nothing more stilting and, and jarring than um, than death. And he was, you know, young 30s, and he died in a blood clot just randomly. He had a blood clot, <sighs> like, like, hurt himself in a bike accident and it developed into a blood clot and he fucking he died at 30 oh and it went up into his yeah and he he died at 37 years old just so randomly and and unforeseen so that happened like the day i was flying back out there so the semifinals were a little bit you know because i was really you know i was in the room i was in the hotel room i was really sad i was crying i was like trying to get my shit together it was just me by myself so i'm like i'm going through these emotions and at the same time i got a job to do you know what i mean so it was just a lot going on right so i was just sort of just kept to myself you know i went to the pool was writing reading just i just kept to myself right. a lot during the um the semifinals so yeah but in a way weird. do you feel like sometimes i'm thankful for something like that because it really puts everything in perspective it's like oh i could right. also just be dead right oh totally. i guess i could feel a little more gratitude about this because totally. sometimes i get caught up in all the little well, absolutely how am i going to leverage this absolutely what, what am i going to do for this thing and then and absolutely. it's like uh okay. and at the end of the day you realize you're in a fucking bubble and in right. many ways, you're in your head inside a bubble. You're not only in a bubble, but you're in your head inside that right, bubble. Right, and it's right, like, right. there's life. There's right. a lot going on and oh. a lot that can Oh, I enjoy doing this. Happen. I forgot that this there's joy. There's I'm a, a human being. I love doing this. I don't this. need to be doing comedy. I could just have a wonderful dinner with my husband or my fiance. And right, like right, that's right. my night. And I'm certainly happy with that. You right, know what right, I mean? Right, right, um, right. It's actually, yeah, it, it, it caused, it, it, it knocked a pause into me. Um, and, you know, you talk about like being, you know, two different places you know got somebody who just died and you're basically at the highest moment of your you know emerging career if you will um so it's a lot going on yeah it's a lot going yeah. on yeah um but yeah that's one of the things you got to remember i guess as a comedian you know because we often pull you know of course we pull from uh our experiences in the world around us but um we can get caught up in that bubble and in our heads and lose sight of the fact that uh 
life is really fucking short and it's very very unpredictable and very precarious it's like you know right. you got to right. take stock in, in the good shit the shit that you have and the shit that is constant like great love right great companionship great friends great food it's like and this shit also ends up influencing and informing your art but you know it, it's important to remember that shit what are the things like what is like what's your gratitude list like what are you most thankful for health yeah certainly um seeing people die prematurely you know I've, a lot of people in my family um let's just keep on talking about the death stuff but like yeah, i experienced yeah. a lot of death my father died you know relatively young my brother died very very young um the men in my family seemed to you know uh not be around very long so and just seeing you know a lot of people who i've outlived you know friends and cousins and stuff like all my male cousins like died prematurely it's just so weird um so i'm grat i'm grateful for of course life you know first and foremost and then health um yeah because you know at any moment you know cancer can come <laughs> right <laughs> you're up right <laughs> you know what right. i'm saying uh so right. i'm i'm health gra health and health life health love family yeah comedy yeah yeah. Although comedy battles for 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 top spot often. Right. Well, I think th I think there's also a challenge of like, like my priority is like my comedy is takes up more time sometimes than yeah. my other. Than my I, passion. You know, yes. You know, like I have a relationship. We have relationship. You have your fiance. Yeah. Like, I got, you got a schedule. Like, okay, uh, Tuesdays we'll watch. Yeah. Tuesday night we'll watch anything on DVR you want. We'll watch Downton Abbey. Yes. I mean, I remember we watching Downton Abbey the other week, and I just like I just started crying because I'm like. It's so hard to appreciate what you have yes. when you're like, but I got I to gotta make this tape. I'm running around the city and I got to do this and I got to right, do this right, and this. Right. Yeah. I got to yeah. do this. I want to make this submission. I want to do this yeah. other thing. And I'm like, oh, wait, there's a person here that just loves me. Oh, right. by the way, this is a really great dinner. Yeah. What I've started to do and like, you know, this works for me. Um, you know, everybody has their thing. But like I've done my best to not schedule shit on Sundays. Huh. Yeah. Being in a relationship because I realize like she gives up. She willfully will, you know, allow me to compromise my time with her. Um, it's so like, you know, your partner, he's so supportive, just like my, my fiance, she's so supportive. And it's like, it took, you know, a, a minute for me to realize it's like, okay, I should not necessarily be taking that, you know, for granted or taking advantage okay. of that. Like, it's like their kindness and their ability to, to concede and like, oh yeah, go off, leave me, go do the show, whatever. Right, right. So like, I've gotten to a point where it's like, you know what, unless it's like a really, really good show or worth it. Right. Or right. the money's really, really good. I'm, I, I try to keep Sundays where it's just me and my lady. Right. Right. And right. A comedy free day. Right. For, for her sanity and mine. Right. And for the sake of longevity and our time together. Right. Right. You know, we need, you know. Because you got to you got to make that thing because it's God. I really, you know, and you when you're a Gotham, you see all the time coming in with David. And it's mm -hmm. like because, I'm, I'm, you know, if Marion or someone that he loves mm -hmm. is in, he'll come. But. Yeah. I don't, and you're not required to come to any of these bars. You're not required mm -hmm. to come to any of these, you know, but mm -hmm. he'll do the door on the road. He's doing the tickets. He's mm -hmm. doing the, he's feeding the comics. He's making a pie for the comp, you know, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it's a way to kind of be involved and still be connected, even if I'm kind of a bitch when yeah. I'm producing. When you're producing, your mind is like, yeah. ah. Yeah. And somebody who understands that and, and gets it. Like I had a, a meltdown last uh, two weeks ago when I'm going to my Harlem show. The, the show that I produce up in Harlem and the trains were fucked up and it's just like, I got to get there. And she's like, calm down. It's like, you don't understand. It's like, this is my show. And I got to, I can't just be having people up there waiting for me. And all this thing. Right. Right. You know, right. just the, you know, the you producer, get, you, just, crazy. you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Especially, you know, uh, when things don't seem to be going your way with transit or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. But somebody who's just so understanding, like you, you, you really, 
should not take that for granted. And it's something I have to check myself on. It's like, this is not a given. We both know you could like, because I've been with motherfuckers when I was doing comedy who were just like, you really, I don't understand why you're going to do a show right now. Like, it's right, like, right, right. they didn't get it, you know? Right. So like being with somebody who fucking gets it, is 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 amazing and should not be taken lightly. Yeah, I mean, I remember we were at the what was at the Broadway Comedy Club holiday party, and, and she was there with you. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, I, you know, I was there, and I just told you know, I was like, I'll, I'll, I gotta, I gotta go network. Yeah, gotta do, show do up. Real quick, I'm yeah. gonna want to kill myself. Right. Show up. I hate having to network, right. but I, I love this business. Yes. So okay, show up and shake some hands and. Right. Talk to people, even though you're like, uh, can I just be home? Can we just be under the blanket? Totally. Watching totally. And it's like it's even harder right now with this motherfucking weather. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Thank God, you know, it was good because I had a show scheduled for last Saturday that got canceled because of like the weather and the pipe burst at the at the venue and stuff. Um, but it was like a nice little little bonus Saturday night off that I haven't had, and I can't remember how long where right. I wasn't running, doing a show or doing something comedy related. Right. It was just me and my lady, and we fucking we stayed home and we watched like. All sorts of shit, and it was just like we ordered food, and it was like, right. And we right. basically had two Valentine's Day. It was great because then Sunday right. I right, already right. had right. scheduled right. because right. it was Sunday and Valentine's Day, so we had like just a amazing, like you know, hermity weekend. Right. And it's like right. and it just it it, 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 it I, it's I got probably more out of that than if I had run around done in a couple shows. Honestly, right, goodness. right. I think sometimes we forget, like in the artist way too. It's like you got to feed the well you got to fill that well yeah. with everything else of life not just well i just got to get like 20 more sets in mm -hmm. you know like but it's like it, there's a d law of diminishing returns yes you, you your the rest of your soul has to be nourished dude that you law of diminishing returns is like that is that says it all honestly goodness because i had to learn the hard way and i'm sure you did by you know i've gone out and like rainstorms it's not even like i was doing a show but it was like i want to just hit this mic because this is a good mic and like they actually get audience i'm gonna go and hit this mic and it's just like you get there and you do it and it's like no one there it's just like you know what i probably would have been better off just staying at home <laughs> right, right, you know what right, i mean it's right. law diminishing returns it's like realize you don't have to go to every mic you don't right. have to go just because it's a wednesday and you know you want to get up if it's right. involving you taking the 45 minutes to an hour to leave your home and your right. your loved one to go do this thing because it's going to feed your ego ultimately. Right, right, um, Your right. sense of, you know, I this is what I need to be doing for I, my I, art. I got to clock this many. I got to clock this many, you know, right, right. flight hours, if you will, as, as right. pilots do. Right, um, right. But it's like the law of diminishing returns. It's like, you and you also, as the longer you do, you get a little bit more savvy with, okay, this is worth my time. This really isn't worth my time. It's right, like, I'm right. not coming out for... A mic at the Parkside Lounge or some shit, like right, right, this right, torrential right. downpour. It's like I, I can, I can, you know, I'm good enough that I can, <laughs> right, right. I could skip that one. You know, sometimes it's like if you know you've got a big show coming up and you're like, I just want to run my set. Right. I gotta go somewhere and just run it. I want right. to just because like sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm getting fat. I haven't done comedy right, in a right, day. Right. Oh. Right, you get right. that panic, yeah. like because you just want to keep the, you know, yeah. even if you just run it in front of a live audience of like if yeah. it's a twelfth. You know, there's in Jersey. There's this venue, Art House. They they'll have human beings at an open mic. Like there's just twenty or thirty oh, human beings that are, that want to see anything, oh, so whether fantastic. it's a bad person doing a bad cover of a song or uh, an okay, uh, you know, whatever. Oh. But they're humans. Yes. And so I get up there. I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. I feel like it's like high def. You feel exactly okay. This is working. This isn't. But you actually get to you you, you mm -hmm. work on something. You're like, oh, there's human being. It's not a bunch of comics on their phones. Absolutely. Fucking, you know. Yeah, worried about you. thinking about what they're gonna do as opposed right. to what you're doing. Right. Um, which is the bitch of, of open mics as well. It really is, you know, a mind fuck when you think about that 
you go through what you have to go through to become a comedian, that you actually make it, even to the point where you're actually doing it and you're, you're getting paid to do it. Right. And you've got like a, a calendar full of dates, you know what I mean? Like to get from not doing it ever to that, it's so difficult because you talk about the open mic scene. A lot of people did the bringer show thing. Right, it's right, like right. It's, there's so many difficult barriers between you and the promised land. Right. It's amazing right. that any of us keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, we don't jump out. Yeah, well, just to explain to the listeners out there, a bringer show is when you uh, to do a showcase and be seen by whoever or n- or nobody, right. <laughs> but you, you a tape a ta- just to make a <laughs> to, tape to make a tape. <laughs> but then, you know you got to bring five, ten, thirty, fifty people. You know, yeah, like, depending on the booker, depending yeah. on who the booker yeah, exactly. is. Exactly. You know, there will be no more. names. There will be no names mentioned. But we all know who some of those people are. Oh, just bring like. Just bring fifty people, and you'll get a free DVD if you bring seventy. You know, like, yes, <laughs> like yes, crazy numbers. Yes. You're like, are you out of your mind? Yes. I mean, I I have a network of friends that'll show up. I need to make a new tape. Hey guys, blah blah blah. Here's right. some dates. Who's available? And I love you, and I'll hold you, and I whatever you know. But yeah. you got to build your you got to build your community. Absolutely. Oh my god. But then at the same time, you also you also have to work out in a way. It's like you know that's that's one the showtime, and then there's also like we call it the gym, the open mic scene. It's right. like I don't see how you can succeed by not you know, at least doing one or the other, or doing both in in, in this uh, in this regard. Yeah, a bunch of things. Because um, I see a lot of people who've done just straight up bringer shows, and it's like, okay, you got your built-in audience. The people who almost you know are going to be laughing, it's like, okay, go go take that on the road. Take that out to right. see if it actually has legs right. with a Do bunch of miserable comics who don't want to laugh at anything that isn't blue. Um, right, right. And a lot of people, you know, I, I always found that, that, that interesting, that some people just, they live and die by the bringer shows, and they I never see them doing right. mics or bar right. shows right you just got to get out there do i mean i feel like it's almost like uh building your immunity you've got to be exposed to every different kind of germ every different kind of wound every different kind of that's a great rusty nail it. just go in ev- I mean, i've done so many i mean i've done some of these like super rural like monster truck sh- sawed off shotgun rooms mm. in the middle and i'm scared like you know uh, i'm not white yeah you know i'm also a faggot you yeah. know like, i'm yeah. like i'm gonna die but doing those rooms yeah. and then you realize i did a show in upstate new york th- that was like damn like i felt like i was honestly in tennessee like it felt like yeah it felt like yeah. you know and then i heard people say well you know new york you know the farther north you go the, 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 farther, the farther south, south you go yeah like, yeah so it I really like, makes you i don't know it really taught me to how to bring it in ways that you get like, you can get spoiled in a mm-hmm. in a city room mm-hmm. you know or like a hip room I don't know Brooklyn cool mm-hmm. room where you're like no there, there are no hipsters up here there are no skinny mm-hmm. jeans they're all acid wash Levi's right. you know Timberlands that are dirty because they use them <laughs> you know well that's also the wonderful thing about what we do is that the longer you do it you discover that you have developed different sets yeah for different situations you know what I mean like you know if you're doing like you know uh, don't tell mama or <laughs> right. or you know what I mean duplex that you can like ramp it up and get go a place that you normally may right. not be able to go on. You can whip out a unicorn and everyone gets on. Uh, exactly. <laughs> right. But you know what I'm saying? You know like, what I mean? Like, exactly. Because most like, of the time I'm like, okay, I'm gay, but that's not going to come out till like three mi- three or five minutes in. Exactly. You know? Versus if you did a show at like Gotham or if you did a show in Brooklyn, it's like where you did a show upstate or, you know, yeah. Eastern Pennsylvania somewhere. It's like, you know, you develop different sets for different circumstances. Right. And that's one of the, the most important things I think a comic needs to learn. It's one of the things I learned, you know, you know, I, I, I have a wealth of material after a certain period of time doing this, as does most do most comics. And it's like, okay, just pull from that. You've got a lot there. 
it's all you. It all came from you. Right. You know, right. I had the longest for the longest time this thing where like, well, I'm not keeping it real if I talk about the shit right. that I want to talk about. Race right, and right, black right, and right, 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 like, right, well, right. You know, white tourists from fucking Arizona don't want to hear that shit necessarily coming to right. see a midnight show at Broadway. Right, so, right, um, right, right. you know, I'm now and also speaking of that, you develop like your club sort of standard set of jokes. Um, and you got your, you know, your tourist sort of, right, right. sort of jokes. You can't and you talk got your about college. You sort can't of do jokes. gentrification for a tourist white people that come from a land of white people. You know, like I realized, oh, I have to have another tag on that just to make sure I scoop them all back in because yes. some people fall out. They don't know what that is. Yeah, you know. Or I don't know. Well, they don't read certain things. Like you know, I remember uh, the when the Rachel Dolezal shit broke, and I developed. I got like a, a new three minutes just right, off right, that right, alone. Right, that was right, killing. Right. And then I did it. At, you know, uh, I think it was Broadway or something. Like you know, a eleven o'clock show, and it was like half the room's from Sweden. You right, got a right, few right. Australians right here. Right, and it's right, just right. Like, hey, Rachel Dolezal, mate. <laughs> it's like, right, right. And it's like, oh, let me dial that back and let me throw some uh, some, some sex right. shit out there. I don't right, know. right. Just obvious things or whatever's in the room. Be yeah. right here in the room. Deal with these people in yeah. the front, you know, and pull out your crowd work. Yeah, one thing I've learned, yeah, uh, when I leave the New York bubble is uh, people don't read as much. Right. Well, <laughs> they're, well, not, uh, they're not as up on, you, on what's yeah, going on. Yeah, you can't pull out that, oh, this is really going to crush mm-hmm. in that smart room. Yeah. Not that they're stupid. They're just, they just are exposed to something different. Yeah. So you have to bring like yeah. – you're, you got to be in your gut. What kills in the cafe in Brooklyn does not necessarily right. translate to. Right, right. You know, this is a non skinny jean crowd. Racine, Wisconsin or something. Right, right. <laughs> but honestly, God, some of my, on, my worst, I, could, I know you probably have, you know, your, your, your list of worst sets you've ever had. But like, I wanted, like, a couple of the worst sets I feel like I've ever had were at Brooklyn coffee shops. Wow. There were like ambush shows, which are always difficult. You know, a bar uh, easier to pull so off because amb- people it, are liquored it, up. An ambush show is when you're. When people aren't there, I love it. He's like comedy. educated. I was like, it's just for your information. An ambush, ambush show, show is, is when there's a show that just appears in a in a venue that's not for comedy. It's like you're doing it at a coffee shop or right. a restaurant, and people are like, uh, I just came here to eat my gluten free muffin, and what the fuck and is this comedy screenplay? Like, right, oh, okay. right, right. And there's now a comedy show happening. Exactly. Oh shit! So we've ambushed this audience. Exactly. So I right. remember this one show I did at this cafe in, in Brooklyn, and everybody. It was actually my girl. She was also there for this one. Um, I wish she wasn't. Uh, uh, she, 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 she walks in. She goes, oh, my goodness. This is what kind of coffee shops is this? They give everybody Macs to use? Ah! And I was like, no, babe. They don't give everybody. Everybody's just that pretentious and is here using their Mac. Yeah, because they're know? working on their screenplay. Exactly. So I was contending with that, and it was an ambush show, and it was just like, oh. Right. And that was probably it was maybe like three years ago, but that was one of those ones where you're just like, like contemplating like, everything and that's the thing about comics are we so wrapped up in what we do and you could say eagle like you think under any circumstances i could have broke him i could have got him i could have got him you know what i mean it's like 17 fucking hipster doo-doo-doos yeah you know on their on their computers and shit it's like i could have got him right 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 i remember one time i got it was on i don't know if it was mcdougall or thompson there was some basement thing and there was like this russian woman who was running the mic and she was like uh, you know, there was like five drunk Germans with their beers mm. and she was in and David, I did not invite him, but he knew I was going to be there. So I'm going to be at this place. We can meet after. But he came. Uh-huh. So he's sitting and he watched me like eat it uh-huh. in front of, you know, and, and the Russian woman that was up hosting. She was like, oh, it's all about death. If you don't die. OK, who's coming next? Uh, you know, uh-huh. It's like she was just not even trying uh-huh. to be funny. She was just. So I go up there and it was like I just completely bombed. And I remember walking out with David. We were going to this French restaurant across the street to have our little date. Yeah. And he was like, and I said, uh, still loving? 
And he's like, no, <laughs> it's really <laughs> incredibly reduced. And he was so like honest. But I didn't. Uh, and I and we sat down to the restaurant. I couldn't hear anything other than no, it's reduced. It's reduced. What do you mean, you fucking? And I remember just sitting. At the, we're holding. The, I had to put the menu down. I said, okay, hold on, honey. Um, I just need to dialogue with you right now. <laughs> uh, something really painful just happened. Yes. I need you to lie to me. <laughs> I just need you to lie a little for now. Yes. I know that that was a horrible set. Yes. Can you not snark on me when yes. I'm down? Yes. And it was weird because I snark on him all time. Uh -huh. Like I have to learn like you can't do this at home. Yes. You can't use your spouse as a punching bag for snark. Yes. You can't do crowd work on your spouse. Yes. But I do it all the time. Like, sorry, oh, oh, shit, I cut you. Uh, sorry about I didn't that. Need oh, that. Oh, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know it was that sharp. I was just, you but know. It's just a reflex. Yeah. They say something and they're like, Sh oh, yep. shade, yep. shade. And so he's like, oh, what? You dish it out, but you can't take it. Like, it's not the same. It's Ooh, not the point. Yeah. Oh, but, 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 but oh, you can joke around, but I can't. That's yeah. Like a, I said, oh, um, no, can't. you can't. Not in this moment, motherfucker. Not in this moment. I'm feeling really, <laughs> I was able to say, like, I'm feeling vulnerable. Yep. I mean, this is a lot of therapy to be able to say, like, I really feel vulnerable. But mm. I know mm. I was still spiraling out for that night. There's nothing worse than a bad set. There's nothing worse than a bad set that somebody you know or care about <laughs> witnessed. There's no! not, I don't think there's any lower no! than that. That's why I still to this day have not performed in front of my mom. My mom right. wants to see me so badly, but I just know comedy is an art. It's not a science. Sometimes shit does not go right. And I don't know if I could ever recover from my mother. <laughs> First time she's witnessing me on stage, and it's just one of those weird off Right, right. You know what I mean? What if it I doesn't just, hit? I'm so scared. I'm just so scared right. of that. Uh, so right. she still has it for that reason. And it's like, um, I've done so many shows in Boston. She's like, I want to come down. It's like, no, no, no. Um, um, but, no but honest to God, oh, that's the point I wanted to make. That's motherfucking love. That's mother, honest to God, your partner, when they see how as bad as it can get, when they see the worst, like I, I had a show in Staten Island, like it was the, the, the cafe show in Brooklyn that was terrible that she witnessed. There was a show I did in Staten Island that was just <laughs> horrible. Like I wanted to like swim back. I just like, I just, <laughs> like <laughs> it was bad. Um, we better yeah, jump jump off the ferry and right, kill right. myself. Just it was that bad. You know? Right, right, right. Um, and those moments when they just sort of like, audience oh, of shit. I love it. My girl, the one thing she like, she says to me, like she knows what she's like, oh, you know, you should probably maybe not do that joke in that venue or try, you know, you should have maybe, but sometimes she just goes, babe, audience was shit. Or yeah. no, as she puts the audience was shite. Audience was shite. Right. She's got this. Right. Audience was shite, babe. Don't worry. Right. You know, you're good. So like, it's those moments like, that's love. Right. That is love. When they, when they are, when they witness that and like, you know, it's so utterly embarrassing for us, right. but for them to just be there to sort of pick up the pieces with you, just like, you know, it's all right. Right. And usually over by the next day, you know, you cleanse your palate with the right. next set. But there's, but a, there's a, that there, moment. There's like a. And it's usually when you always go to fucking dinner afterwards. Right, right. It's like, you know I don't want to sit with you. I can't look at you. And you're meant to go fucking eat afterwards. It's I, just like, right. oh, you don't have an appetite and you're just like preoccupied with feeling shitty and analyzing right. what went wrong. Right, right. And, you know, this is the date night. So they, they, they're all about the date night. <laughs> right. Anyway, right. but it's like you have no idea what's going on inside and you. And you're right like now. spinning into this like cauldron of totally. like, I gotta kill myself. I gotta kill myself. Totally. Although it's funny, David did give me a note from the other day. He's like, you know, Rich, I just this is coming from a loving place. Uh -huh. Um, you were doing a little crowd work, and you said, "Give it up for Brazil," because this woman was from Brazil. You didn't do anything with that. <laughs> and I'm like, but that is from someone who's been watching it yes. and watching yes. it and they know when you when you lobbed yes. when you just sort of 
just you we, he knows I bunted. He yes. knows I bunted on that one. Yes. Well, at this point, like I'm sure he's become like my like my fiance. They've become sort of like a student of the audience in many ways. Yeah. yeah. So like there's the student of comedy, but also student of the audience. And my girl like well on always after a set she'll like give me a, a rundown of like oh yeah I don't know, this woman over here was dying. This woman over here was was falling out of her chair and everything and. She'll be able to tell me on the front end a lot of times, you know, we've gone, it's been a few times we've, I've gone to do a show and she's like, you know, I'm waiting to go up and she's monitoring the audience and she goes, babe, I think you should do that, uh, that flapper joke. I think that would probably go over well in this room. And I was like, <laughs> thank you, babe. And I do it and it fucking, and it kills and it's like, oh, that's my girl. It's right, right. my lady studying the team, fucking team effort. The sociology of the room and shit. Right, you right. Know? That's right, great. Right. Yeah. No, I've, there have been times where we've had, you know, uh, it's like this. There's some uh, one of the venues used to be an auto body shop, and now it's a restaurant. And, <laughs> you know, the garage in the back is now the club, and you know, David is taking care of people coming. Like, hey, hey, we bought our tickets in advance. We have to stand in line. We have to stand in line. I'm like, there are eight people in line. You're Seriously. in the middle of fucking nowhere. Seriously, this is a Star chill, Wars. Like, chill yeah. the fuck out. <laughs> right. We are in the middle of nowhere. There's right. more dead deer here than the people. Okay, right. just. You know, but people oh, get all like, I, I don't want to stand in this line. Do I have to stand in this line? Like, and David's like, well, hold, 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 just let me just check. What's your name? And I'd be like, get out. Get the fuck out. I've seen Here's your work. money. I've get seen the him work. Out. He is yeah. a great man. You got a good one. You have got a good one. You really, really do. So, I've seen his He's patience. so patient. I'm he's like, so no. patient. It's like, it's a virtue. I have no, I have just, you know, that's why it's tricky. I, when you're producing, I always feel like I try to delegate as much as possible to the front. Like, I don't, I also feel like, it's not good for comics to seat people. Mm. If you're producing, it's like you want to be like as detached from the audience as possible. Because if you're going to go up and you've just told these people off, you know, I had one, it was a long story, but I had one headliner. It was just, it was crazy. And we were trying to get people to sit up mm. and everyone was sitting way in the back of this clubhouse of some like, you know, uh, mm. like a condo complex. Mm. And everyone was way in the back and they, uh, like, a fight was starting and i'm like this is not good Uh oh because like this headliner has to perform and now the whoever you know it was just oh, it was nightmare. Uh, nightmare. oh. but here was I, honestly god would saying that and mention like these shows in like the road of wisconsin or whatever like i hope you know we all want to make it in in some ways some people have a different definition of making it than others but like i honest to god my biggest thing is i never i want to get to a point where i never have to do Another ambush show. <laughs> I don't care what you give me, Lord. I'll take the road. I'll take, you know, steady, steady, steady college work. I just do never want to fucking have to do another ambush, ambush show. show. Right. If I, if, I, if, I can, if I can avoid it. Right, right, right. Well, what's the, here's a good question. So what's your vision? What would your big picture be? Like, it's obviously not, it's not, it's, the, the vision is not, this is what I don't want. Like, what right. would be the, you know, like the artist's way, your vision board? <laughs> well, the, the vision is evolving, you know, uh, the longer you stay in this and, you know, you, you start, you know, tunneling different holes to get to, to the destination you think you should be at. I am. Um, my would be I certainly would love to be a, a, a revered comedic actor, uh, have a fantastic film career. Um, I would also love to, you know, be on a show like Saturday Night Live. I think that that's like I'm like. I'd be perfect. I feel like, honestly, if I could get an audition for that show, that I could get on that show. I firmly believe in the, and deep in my bones that I would be on that show if I can get in that room for an audition. Um, so, yeah, it would be in a way to let all these voices and characters, give them give them an outlet, a really, a really awesome outlet to, yeah. to live. 
So something like a Saturday Night Live uh, to have a fantastic film career. I um I've also just started. I've been writing. You know, as a comedian, we write anyway. But um, I'm working on a pilot right now. I'm on the second draft of it, and that's been fulfilling me in ways that I never thought that writing would. Right. Um, right. And now I'm just I got my fingers crossed. Like I'm trying to land this audition for Paul Mooney and uh, the upcoming Richard Pryor movie. Ah. And that's like I'm putting all my all my energy, all my juju to right, get that right, happen. Focus, because like, you right. know, you know, that's that's been my bread and butter for years of doing the little impression of him. And he's one of my comedic idols as well. So Right, right. I'm trying to will that into existence too. Right, right. Hold a space. Keep yes. leave that possibility there. Leave it out. Stay open. Well, for just put it out. What you got you gotta put it out into the universe. Right, right. Let the universe know. Yeah. You're available for that. I wanna be Paul Mooney in the Richard Pryor movie universe. <laughs> Lee yeah. Daniels. Yeah. Holla. Yeah. <laughs> Cyrus, I am so thankful you joined us today. Yeah. And everyone out there, for more information about Cyrus McQueen, you can go to WTYpodcast.com. That's WTYPOD.com. Uh, and you'll have all, all the information where else you can find information about Cyrus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know I love you, brother. I love you, too. I've been loving you for years. Oh, it's great. It's oh, great to see you. One of my you. favorite people. Thank, Thank you, brother. Thank you. Okay. Richie, go. Yay. <laughs> WTY. It's a comedy journey. 